thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everybody. Again, welcome to church. So glad you're here. It's such an exciting time at Radiant Church. We are, uh, in just a few weeks, we're going to kick off 21 days of prayer, which as a church, we really do believe in the power of prayer. We don't just say that. We actually live this out. So we do 21 days of prayer, not one time a year. We do it two times a year, every January and every August. So that's going to start on August 21st. I want to encourage you, um, spend some time, mark it out on your calendars. Let's pray together for 21 days. And it's really a, a special time because as we pray, we grow closer to the Lord. So before we launch into a small group semester or any other fall launches that we have going on, we want to start from the place of prayer. So I want to encourage you, be a part of 21 days of prayer. Um, Our fall small group semester is going to start on September 11th. Really excited about that. So if you um, want to lead a small group, I want to encourage you to do that. It's life changing. There's, it's so, so impactful. Some of my best friends in the world I have because they're in my small group, because they were in my small group together. So, um, all right, we are in a series on parables. Pastor David will be back next week. He's going to conclude this series. And today we're going to be talking about the parable of the talents. And really, when you step back, you kind of wonder, why are the parables so important? Why do we talk about them so much? Why do we teach out of them so much? Well, because one third, roughly one third of the teachings of Jesus in the synoptic gospel, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are found in the form of a parable. So one third of Jesus' teaching are in this format. So to really understand holistically, what was Jesus teaching? What was he saying? We have to look at parables and we have to dig into them because in telling stories about um, servants or soil or mustard seeds or home builders or whatever the parable topic is, Jesus is articulating, he's, he's telling us kingdom principles. So a parable is a story that illustrates kingdom realities and kingdom truths. So let's pray, and then we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents. So let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We are so grateful for your word because it's alive. It's living. It's not dormant, but it's speaking to us even here and even now. So God, I pray that our hearts will be postured in a way that we're able to receive your word that we're willing to change our lives and be transformed because of it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen? Amen. Amen. All right, here we go. The parable of the talents, Matthew chapter 25. We're gonna start in verse 14. For it, this is, what is the it? Let's stop right there. You're like, whoa, this is gonna take a long time if you're stopping the second word. (laughs) I gotta give you the context though. For it, what is it? It is the kingdom of God. Remember, a parable is a story illustrating a truth or a principle about the kingdom of God. So Jesus is saying, for the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one, he gave five talents. To another, he gave two and to another one. To each according to his ability. Say ability. Ability. Then he went away. 
He who received the five talents went at once and traded it with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, let's say long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Here we go. And he also, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you'd scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servants. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let me recap the story. There's a lot going on here. So we have a master who represents Jesus. There's not any trickery here. He represents Jesus. We have three servants. And the master is going away on a journey, so he entrusts his property or a portion of his property to these three servants. He gives one servant five talents, he gives one servant two talents, and he gives another servant one talent, and he does it based on their abilities. So the master goes away for a long time. We don't know what long means, it's indeterminate. It's not like he was gone for seven days, three weeks, three months, nine years. We don't know what long means, he was just gone for a long time. And he comes back and he is settling accounts with his servants, which is an eye-opening thought when you pause and think about it. And the one servant who had five talents, who he entrusted five talents, came back and said, hey, I've, I've made five more. The one who had two talents, starting with two talents, hey, I've made two more. And the one who had one talent said, I was afraid, so I dug a hole, I hid it, here is what you've given me. And the master reacts very differently to each one of these servants. So the first two, he celebrates them, and for the last one, he rebukes them. And when we look at parables in particular, I feel like, or really any biblical narrative, it's easy just to read the surface and go on. But there's a lot of truths buried in this parable if we pause and we look at this text and we kind of hang out and marinate here for a moment. And that's my hope for today. Because there's always more layers to the story than at first reading. First, we've got to define some things. We've got to understand what's going on here. So a talent, we've got to know what a talent is, right? How many of you guys think, like, what is a talent? Well, a talent is an equivalent of 20 years wages or 20 years income for a laborer. So one talent is the equivalent of someone working for 20 years. So in the United States, our median household income is $65,000. So for working for 20 years, a talent would represent $1.3 million. Two talents represents $2.6 million. 
And five talents represents 3.25. So what I'm basically saying is you need a talent to go to Costco. Now, what, here's what I want you to get, though. A talent is not solely a form of currency. All currency is is a way to establish value and worth. So if you have a $20 bill in your pocket, that bill is actually worth nothing, but it equates to a value that's been set upon it. So this isn't a parable on currency. It is a parable on stewardship and faithfulness with what God has entrusted to us. See, because it matters how we define a talent because the master gave each servant, he entrusted to each one of them far more than they ever could have earned on their own. If a talent is equal to 20 years of value or worth, if it has a high value, the master has entrusted them far more than they ever could have owned, earned. There was no way the servant was able to work for a hundred years to earn five talents. You see, through the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ, each one of us have been entrusted with far more than we ever could have earned on our own. So how we define a talent matters because we have to extrapolate that and overlay it onto our lives. You see, our talents are, our talents represent our abilities, time, resources, relationships, opportunities to serve God while we live on this earth. The things that we've been given, that we've been entrusted. Because remember, a talent is equating to worth and value, not currency. This is not a money management parable. This is faithfulness. This is stewardship. Jesus is communicating in this parable that there is a correlation, there is a connection between faithfulness and fruitfulness. Stewardship is purely taking care of something that you do not own. You see, God is the the supreme owner of all things. He is literally the creator, the owner of all things. Everything we have is on loan from God. Your life your children, your responsibilities, the the things that he has entrusted to you as an individual are on loan from God. We are stewards of them, not owners. Who's ever borrowed a car? Has, Has anyone ever borrowed a car? Okay, all right. So here's what you do when you borrow a car. Here's the first thing you do. As soon as you pull it out, you ramp a curve. You go up on the sidewalk. You make sure you you run into as many people and cars and things as humanly possible. You take, you eat all of the takeout in the car. You bring your children into the car and give them pasta. You make sure that you take it home on an empty tank and you park it in your garage for the next three to five years. No, of course not. Why? Because it's not yours. So what do you do when you borrow a car? You drive carefully. You're intentional. You don't eat in the car, or if you do, you make sure you, pull, you get all the trash out. You fill the tank up before you return it. Just so you know, you fill the tank up before you return it. 
You go through a car wash. You clean out all the trash. You don't. You make sure that you return it in as good, if not better, condition than when you found it. Why? Because you know that it's not yours, and you're just grateful that you got to use it for a time period. Jesus is saying that we are owners of nothing and stewards of everything. We need to look at everything that we have, our abilities, our resources, our relationships, our opportunities, as we are just grateful that we get to use it for a time period. So I'm going to use it all for the glory of God because God claims comprehensive ownership over all creation. I own nothing. God owns everything. And the moment we allow this to sink into our minds, it changes the trajectory of how we approach the things that we have been entrusted. If we're stewards of everything and owners of nothing, we understand that it has come to me in order to go through me. That what you have is not just for yourself. And in the parable of talents, Jesus is communicating what it looks like to be a faithful steward to faithfully steward the things, God's property, that he has entrusted to us. Jesus communicates that faithfulness is personal. You're judged based on what you do with what you have, not what someone else has. The servant who had two talents is not compared to the servant who had five talents. The servant who had one talent doesn't get compared to the servant who has two talents. Each one of them are judged, are, compared, are looked at in a silo, a vacuum. They're saying the one who has received five talents is looked at as an individual. It is a personal responsibility. The master, when he comes back, does not contrast, compare what did each one of them do in relation to the other. He says, what have you done with my talents? personal. So often we think that we're going to be judged in comparison to others. We think that when we go through life, when we stand before our master, that we're going to give him a running list of what we lack and say, here's why I couldn't do more. I lack this and I lack this and I lack this and I lack that. But Jesus is saying, what have you been given? What have I entrusted to you? In verse 14, he literally says, the master entrusted his property to them. What God has called each and every single one of us to is to do the best that we can with what he has entrusted to us. And is it possible that God trusts you more than you trust you? Think about all the things that God has given you. Think about all of the gifts, all of the opportunities, all of the relationships, all of the resources, everything that God has given you. And when we look at that, our tendency is to look at it through what we lack. Jesus is saying, look at what you've given. What has he given to you? Because he's given of himself to each one of us individually. Because it has nothing to do with what you start with. So many of us, we look at our situations, we look at our family upbringings, we look at our, our education levels, we look at our, our jobs and our income, and we look at all of these other things. We look at our talents. I can play music. I can't play music. I can sing. I can't sing. I can do all of these things. You know, whatever it is, wherever you put yourself on the spectrum, we look at what we lack. But the reality is it doesn't matter how we, where we start. It matters what we do with what we've been given. 
It doesn't matter if you feel like you've been given five talents through life and family and all of these opportunities, or if you start with a penny, just one cent. It doesn't matter where you start. It matters what you do with it. Because if you're faithful with what God has given you personally, you can transform that penny into an abundance. Little compound interest fun fact for you. If you double a penny every single day for 30 days, it equals over $5 million. It does not matter with what you start with. What matters is are you willing to compound faithfulness in your life every single day in a personal way? I'm going to be faithful what God has given me personally. One penny to two, two to four, four to eight, eight to 16, 16 to 32, 32 to 64, 64 to a dollar 28, a dollar 28 to 256, 256 to 512. And I'm going to stop because my math's breaking down really quickly. But it on and on and on it goes until you're over $5 million in just 30 days. God gave each one according to their ability. So could it be that when you look at your life through the lens of lack, God's looking at it through the lens of faithfulness, saying you can do more with less. Then instead of looking at it and with a scarcity mindset of saying, I don't have what I need. What if God's saying, I've given you everything that you need and I am with you even to the end of the ages. What happened? Do you trust that God knows what you can handle? Jesus is telling us in this parable that faithfulness is personal. He also tells us that faithfulness is what you do before someone checks. Faithfulness is what you do before someone checks. I love that in this parable, the person who received five talents and the person who received two talents, it says that they went at once. They went at once. The person who received one talent didn't. Procrastination is often the first step to disobedience. See, this man was afraid. Literally, we see that he was afraid later in this parable. So he was afraid that he might fail. He was afraid that he might lose it. He was afraid that it wouldn't work out for him. So he takes and what he does is he hides. He literally digs a hole, the Bible says, and buries this talent in the hole. He is burying the talent in order to protect it. But in reality, he's burying the talent to protect himself. Because if he fails, what's going to happen? If it doesn't work out right, what's going to happen? If it doesn't go the way that I hope it goes, what's going to happen in that moment? And he allowed his fear to be the dominant driver of his decision making. It immobilized him and stopped him from taking forward progress. Fear's a dangerous thing. We live in this fishbowl world called social media. And the second we fail, we feel like everyone's going to be talking about it. It's going to be all over the internet. It's going to be on Instagram or TikTok or whatever. And we're going to be devastated. And all of our lives are going to be ruined because we had a moment of failure. Can I tell you something today? Everyone has failed. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The only person who has never failed is Jesus. So if you're afraid of failing, guess what? You're going to have loads of company. Everyone's going to be with you. 
Listen, I'm all about making sound choices and, and wisdom and, and looking at the situation and running through possible outcomes. But oftentimes I find that we use the guise of wisdom and the guise of waiting as an excuse for wasting the opportunity where God says, go, do, be, grow, take ground for the kingdom of God. But we're afraid and we're afraid to admit it. So we bury our talents in the ground under the guise of keeping it safe, of making the safe choice. Amelia Earhart said, the most difficult thing is the decision to act. The rest is merely tenacity. When we look at this, the servant with the one talent, his fear paralyzed him with anxiety. His fear paralyzed him. So he buried it. How many of us have opportunities, have relationships, have resources, have friendships, have gifts that God has given us that we bury because we're afraid? Faithfulness is, do, is what you do when no one watches. Listen, I got three kids. If my children only do what I tell them when I'm looking over their shoulder, are they really obedient? No. That's, that's when it's easy. I want them to be obedient when I'm not around. Faithfulness is what we do consistently with what we've been given. Doesn't matter who's around. When you're alone, when you're by yourself. Here's the next thing Jesus communicates in this parable, that faithfulness forms your future. Look at the, the drastic difference in results here. I mean, when you look at the three servants at the end of this parable, at the end of this story, there are some dramatic swings. So you have the, the, the servant who received five talents. You are faithful over a little. The master says, I will put you in charge of much. Enter into the joy of your master. The person who has two talents. You are faithful over a little. I will put you in charge over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And then you get to the servant with one. The master goes, you wicked and lazy servant. He literally calls him slothful. Like what an image. You lazy and wicked servant. And the servant goes, hey, I didn't lose it. You gave me this one talent. You gave me this thing. I didn't lose it. Here it is. I've returned it safe and sound. It's yours again. You've given it to me, and now I bring it back to you, whole, exactly in the same condition. It's a little dirty. I'll wipe it off. Here you go. Here is your talent back. I was afraid. The master goes, you wicked and lazy servant. And he takes the talent from him and gives it to the one with 10. Faithfulness forms your future. You 
five talents. I, I don't know the background of the story, but the fact that the master returns and says, you were faithful over a little, and he's calling five talents a little. Now I'm going to put you over much. It's a pretty dramatic swing. And the one who was afraid, the one who buried the gold in the ground, buried the, the talent in the ground, says he is literally getting it all taken away from him and being cast aside. Faithfulness forms your future. You were faithful over a little. Now you're going to rule over much. You weren't faithful with what I've given you. And now even what you have is being taken away. And now you're going to go out into outer darkness. And we, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, which represents this, this deep regret, this deep shame. You're going to be cast out all the way out. The servant was operating as if just not losing the talent was a win. Think about it. If I just don't lose it, I win. I think this is something we often say to ourselves. That if I just can maintain this, that if I can just keep it safe, that if I can just keep harm from coming to this scenario, then I win. But not losing what we've been given isn't enough. Think about even just the gift of salvation. Our salvation is a gift from God. We've been entrusted salvation, but our salvation is not just for us. Our salvation is to be a light to the world. We're meant to multiply. We're meant to, to reach other people with the good news of Jesus Christ to the salvation of their lives. Our gifts are not just for us. That are served the entire body of Christ. That are served others. That are to be, where Jesus says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, the gifts that God has given us are not meant just for us. They're meant to be used. We're meant to expand the kingdom of God, to take ground. I often wonder, as I've been meditating on this, this passage of Scripture, why did he dig a hole in the ground? Why didn't he just take it to a bank like the, the parable says? You see, a bank creates a record. And there's just my own holy imagination kind of looking at this text. What if he didn't want a record? What if deep down he was like, I don't, I don't know if this master's for real. I don't know if this master's really going to come back. I don't really know if this master's really going to hold, get, make me give an account of what's happened. So just in case he never comes back, I'm going to, I'm going to dig this talent and I'm going to put it in a hole because I want to know where it's at just in case, in case he doesn't come back. And I think when I look at the response of the master, I think that's what he's speaking to. You wicked and lazy servant. Which is a hard phrase. Can we be real? Like that's a, that's a hard phrasing. This is not like, you know, HR training in 2022. This is like, you don't go around calling people wicked and lazy. Then you get to go to HR. You know what I mean? Like it's just, that's not what happens. 
so sometimes I think it's hard for us to really even get our heads around like how strong this statement from the master is. And yet Jesus is saying, it's mission critical. Because there's no neutral in the kingdom of God. There's no neutral. You're either taking ground or you're giving ground. There is no neutral. There is no just, I'm just going to try and maintain my parameters and my barriers. And I'm just going to say right here, this is my grid. I'm going to stay in my grid. I'm going to be happy in my grid. There is no neutral in the kingdom of God. You are moving forward or you are moving backwards. God is interested in your capacity for faithfulness. If faithfulness forms your future, every single one of us as followers of Jesus have a mandate to try to increase our capacity for faithfulness. But what happens often is that our lives are chaotic and jumbled and out of mess and out of whack. And every single Monday morning we show up to work like the hot mess express and we don't know what's happening and we're all over the place and everything's going on and our lives are disordered and chaotic. So we don't know what our actual capacity is. So we live like we've been given one talent when God has actually entrusted to us two or five or more. God clearly wants to enlarge your capacity. Look what he did to the servant who had two and five. He said, you are faithful in what I've given you. Now you get more. Next thing Jesus says is consistently being faithful is better than occasionally being spectacular. Jesus, as he's talking about faithfulness, faithfulness, being faithful consistently is better than being occasionally spectacular. So in our culture, it's pretty normal to talk about peak performance, right? You see this all the time if you read on internet, web, blogs, whatever, email distributions, whatever it is. And it's always talking about peak performance, right? 10 ways to a better marriage, 10 hacks for a better marriage, three ways to transform your email inbox because everyone needs that. 77 ways to make a better omelet. And on and on it goes, right? It's like this, it's all these promises of breaking through whatever proverbial ceiling you experience in your life at this moment. And it's this clickbait titles that make you go, I need to optimize my life. I need a new peak performance thing in my life. Here's the problem with thinking about peak performance. Intrinsic in a peak is what? To get a peak, what comes after the peak? So, like, wait, hang on. If a peak goes up and then comes back down, do you want a peak? No. You don't want a peak. Instead of trying to peak, raise your floor. So your bad days aren't as bad. Make your bad days better, your weak moments stronger, and guess what happens? Instead of trying to peak and drop, you just keep getting better. You keep growing. You see, faithfulness happens over a long time. So if you can be consistently faithful in small things, like this parable is communicating, what happens is over your lifetime, over 10, 20, 30, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70, 80, 90 years of your life, What happens is you can look back and see, 
how much you have grown and how much your capacity for faithfulness has improved. Not because you were occasionally spectacular and had these grandiose moments, but because you were faithful in the small moments daily. Christianity is better judged in decades than in days. So as Christ's followers, we're in this for a long time. Verse 19 literally says, now after a long time, the master came back. It takes time for the work of God to reach full maturity in your life. There is no, boom, you're ready to go. There, like, no, Christian maturity happens through Christian discipleship. So reading your word, being in a small group, prayer, devote, like, like coming to church, there's things that happen in your life that embrace and build Christian maturity. It does not happen overnight. The goal is not to peak your performance. It is, though, to be consistently faithful. Faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. Why, why, does, why does being faithful matter? Because faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. You see, the gifts of the Spirit are given but the fruit of the Spirit is developed. God has given you gifts, but our mandate as Christ's followers is to develop those gifts as we take ground. What's the fruit look like? You're telling me if I don't have a 100% ROI on whatever I'm doing, then I'm a failure? No, 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 hold on, stop. Don't twist it. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So when we're talking about when Jesus is, is linking faithfulness and fruitfulness, he is not solely talking about some sort of metric ROI. He is talking about the work of the Holy Spirit in your life to lead you to be a more mature Christ follower. So when you go through a situation or a circumstance and normally rage would pop out of you, now it's peace coming out. Normally when you would just fly off the handle in road rage because 435 is backed up again, you have self-control. Jesus is saying, Faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. And as you are faithful in all of the small areas of our lives, the fruit of the Spirit will grow. And I love the Bible because it literally says, against these there is no such law. Who wouldn't want more of the fruit of the Spirit? So when you're growing in fruitfulness and you go to work on a Monday or a Tuesday and your coworker is that hot mess, you can start a conversation and they can experience the peace and the love and the joy that Christ has entrusted to you to steward and they can be transformed. Jesus is letting us know that as we're faithful, we become more fruitful. We can't fall into the comparison trap. 
parable clearly shows it's about your capacity for faithfulness. Not what you start with. Comparison's this trap that just, it just absolutely means nothing to your worth and the worth that's in you. And I love this because at the same time, Jesus is communicating this personal responsibility to steward the things that he's entrusted each one of us. And each one of us have a different scenario, a different story, a different circumstance. There's so many things that make us unique as individuals, but the beauty of the cross, the beauty of Jesus Christ is that he takes the things that look foolish to man and makes them astounding in Christ. So many of us, I think, get fixated on what we lack versus what he's been given, what we've been given. We talk about things that we've been given. We talk about what has God entrusted to us? What has God given to us? Salvation is the most incredible gift that we've ever been given. It says that no one's worthy, that all have fallen short, all all have sinned and fallen short. But the free gift of God Salvation. How can we steward this gift of salvation? How can we take what we've received and allow it to expand and grow in our lives? Maybe you're here and you're like, I, I've, I've never accepted this gift. I've never said yes to Jesus. I just want to ask you a question. So if you wouldn't mind, just all around the room, if we could, just bow our heads and close our eyes. And the reason we do this is just to create a little distraction-free space for you. Sometimes we get distracted by people moving around or what's happening. And this is just a way for you to just focus on God and to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. So if you're in here today or you're, you're joining us online and you know, you know what? I've never accepted this gift from Jesus, this gift of salvation, but today I want to. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand just right where you're at. Just slip your hand up. Amen. Amen. Let's pray this prayer together, just in the same posture. Jesus, you're my master. So I receive this gift of salvation. Come take up residency in my heart as I serve you for the rest of my life. You're my king. You're my Lord. And I will follow you. Amen. Amen. Let's do this. Let's stand on our feet. Come on, can we put our hands together for every single person who prayed that prayer today? Amen. Amen. I just want to take another moment just for for all of our friends in the room and online and just take a moment and even just respond to the word of the Lord. Not to my word, but to the story that Jesus told about these servants. 
So if you could, just in the same posture, every head bowed, every eye closed. When you hear the story, the, the parables and these servants, and you're just, you know what? You go, I haven't, I haven't been faithfully stewarding what God has entrusted to me. I may not be that, the, the, the servant who had the one talent, but I don't know if I'm the one who had five or two either. And you just want to re-up, re-sign up to be a faithful steward. Taking care of all the things that God has given you. That's you. I just want you to raise your hand just right where you're at. Amen. Amen. Jesus, I pray for my friends all across this room, from the front to the back. God, I pray that you would put a fresh deposit of faithfulness in our hearts. God, I pray that we would take what you've entrusted to us, understanding that we're owners of nothing, but stewards of everything. And you would help us enlarge our capacity for faithfulness as we serve you. God, in the big areas and the small areas and everything in between, Jesus, that we would be faithful. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, our ushers are going to go ahead and come forward and uh, our prayer team as well. And I just want to take a moment and encourage you. If, if you want prayer for any reason whatsoever, we've got an incredible prayer team down front. It doesn't have to be about faithfulness or stewardship. If you've got anything going on in your life, it would be our honor to pray for you. So um, as, we, as we give and as we worship, if you have a prayer need, please come down front. We'll pray for you. But I'll pray for our offering and then we'll worship. Jesus we worship you today. We give you our all. As faithful stewards, we give it all to you, God. God, I pray that as we return the tithe, as we give our offerings, Jesus, you would bless the giver, that your hand would be upon us. God, that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. God, that we would make an impact in Kansas City, in our nation, and even around the world, God. God, I pray that you would open up miraculous doors for Radiant to find a permanent home. In Jesus' name, all Radiant said amen.